0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. If you pick up a starving dog, and make him prosperous he will not bite you this is the principal difference between a dog and a man so said Mr. Mark Twain and therefore we shall be concerned for the next hour or so with gratitude and rectitude with a bit of fortitude thrown in here and there to sweeten the pill her father won't let me marry her George I I, I don't have a penny then you'll have to make some money I don't know how. Would you like to be worth a million dollars within the next six months? A million dollars? Just place yourself completely in my hands. Don't ask any questions. And do exactly what I tell you. Our mystery drama, The Goddess Keeper, is based on the writings of Mark Twain. And adapted especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Cork Benson. It is sponsored in part by ARM, Allergy Relief Medicine. I'll be back shortly with Act One. customary contemporary arrogance, we like to believe that the world was created just this morning and that anything of importance was invented after breakfast. Our literature is overstuffed with what can be described as caper stories, and we delight in them in the belief that they are fresh and new. But actually, the first capers were not stories at all, but real-life exploits performed by primitive man in his efforts to evade the saber-toothed tiger. From there on, the writers took over. And no one took over with such wit and finesse as our own Mark Twain. Sir? The year 1897 found me in Europe. What was I doing in Europe? Well, I possessed a secret... Incredible as it may sound, I knew how to make money on the continent. And I'm one of the few Americans in history who left Europe with more money than he had when he came here. Motivated by patriotism, I've tried to share the secret with our government, but I picked the wrong party. Their basic interest is spending it, not saving it. However, I was walking through my hotel lobby. Oh, uh,
1: Mr... Mr. Clemens?
0: Uh, Guilty as charged. Oh,
1: I... I'm an American.
0: Yes, I would say so. You're definitely, tangibly, an American. Not only an American, but an American lady.
1: Now, I have no right to approach you this way. I'm sure you must have pressing business. Oh,
0: nothing of great import. Merely an audience with the king. You you have an audience with the king of Italy? Well, oh, to be accurate, he has an audience with me.
1: Oh, well then, I, 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 I'm i sorry. Well, the, the,
0: the, the, the truth is, the king and I are going to share an audience. We shall both be part of the crowd that's going to see that marvelous sculpture, the Capitoline Venus. The...
1: The Capitoline Venus?
0: However, she's been around for more than 2,000 years. There's no reason she can't wait another hour for me to pay my respects.
1: The the
0: Capitoline Venus? Yes, I'm sure you've heard of her.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, I have.
0: Is something wrong, Miss... Uh,
1: uh, Mrs. Mrs. Walcott. Yes, I'm afraid something is terribly wrong, and I, I really... Yes? Well... Here I am, trying to tell my troubles to a, a complete stranger.
0: <laughs> Sometimes we have no choice.
1: But it concerns the very statue you just
0: mentioned. The capital I mean it?
1: Exactly.
0: Well, now, why should a recently discovered ancient Roman statue be a source of trouble for a young lady from, uh...
1: Ohio, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Ah, the
0: mystery deepens even further. Uh, now, why, why don't we sit down here at this table, Mrs. Walcott? Uh, perhaps a little libation?
1: Oh, no, no, thank you. I, I, I'm sure I, I could need a thing.
0: Well, uh, a cup of tea, eh? Come near it. Uh, Prego. Are you sure you cannot be tempted by some of the heavenly pastry they serve here, Mrs. Walcott?
1: Oh, thank you, but as you can see, I must watch my weight. But I, well, I think I will have something very light, since it's so close to lunch. Uh, uh, suppose I have just a bit of the pasta and a small bowl of the minestrone. Eh. Oh, che hai G- uh, la vitella, uh, signor? Buono, signora. Uh, I just can't resist veal, especially the way they prepare it here in a light batter of sweet cream and butter and, and ensalada, you know, a salad and <laughs> cheese, but no bread. Oh, no, uh, just a small loaf, perhaps. They, they do marvelous things with bread here.
0: She just rippled along, all the while manipulating her knife and fork with what I can only describe as surgical dexterity. The food disappeared into her pretty red mouth, and you could almost see it filling out along her body. A fraction of an ounce here, a fraction there.
1: Oh, I eat out of sheer desperation. It... It's Frank, my husband, uh, Frank Walcott. Yes? Surely you've heard of Frank Walcott. Uh, Well, I... I... Uh, Frank Walcott, he's been called the bathroom king, the emperor of plumbing fixtures.
0: Oh, yes, to be sure. That's where I've seen the name.
1: Yes, well, you must help me, Mr. Twain.
0: Uh, How may I help the wife of one of the richest men in America?
1: Oh, the money, the money... How much happier would he have been if he was still an obscure and poverty-stricken sculptor?
0: May I ask, where is your husband? He,
1: he's in a sanitarium. Oh,
0: a hospital.
1: No, Mr. Twain, he's, he's in a lunatic asylum. But why? Well, because, because obviously it's because he's crazy.
0: Oh. Well, <clears throat> well then how can I be of assistance? Well, you were always his favorite author. Uh, which would account for his present condition. Oh, please, Mr. Twain.
1: Go to see him. Talk to him.
0: But if he's insane...
1: Well, you're uh... my only hope. I've gone everywhere. Spoken to everyone else. You're the only one who can help me out of my difficulty.
0: Your difficulty? Didn't you say it concerned the capital i Venus? Yes. Well, how?
1: Oh, Mr. Twain, if I told you, you'd think I... And I was crazy, too. Oh, please, Mr. Twain.
0: But I... am not a doctor.
1: In some cases, that's even better.
0: I could see her hand steal absently toward the menu... and her eye idly move down the items. And I knew I simply was not going to sit there... for a return engagement with the Bill of fare. So against my better judgment... I engaged a carriage, and we were off to the asylum. Ah, Signora Wolcott, uh,
1: I am charmed. May I present the celebrated author, Mr. Samuel Clemens. Signora Samuel Clemens, I am charmed. Oh, perhaps you know him as Mr... Mark Twain. Signor Mark Twain. I am charmed again. I thought I would like to have Mr. Clemens visit my husband, Dr. Rinaldi. What a charming idea.
0: You will write about us, no? We have here all the latest methods for treating the mentally ill. We have uh, special ice cold baths. It sounds... Charming. Indeed, all the latest techniques. Yeah, charming. And the security. Oh, my dear Mr. Clemens, way we are escape-proof. You wish to visit Signor Franco Walcott, yes? So, uh, then, he is in a cell two. Uh, oh, uh, excuse me. Room uh, 212. So, I ring uh, the bell which moves this heavy steel door. You will follow me, please. Through this corridor, a stone corridor whose walls are three feet thick. Now, this door made of oak with iron bands opens by this electrical switch. Now, we see, among others, the room 212. It has three locks and thus requires three keys. And behold, we confront our guest. Senor Walcott, visitors? Senor. Walcott? Frank? He's gone. But that is
2: impossible. He could not get
0: away.
1: Oh, Mr. Clemens, I know where he is. Please, we must go to him immediately.
0: <laughs> and don't. Soon think that woman had me back in the carriage before we could say Jack Robinson and were not we speeding lickety split torn Rome. And soon I knew where we were going to the Piazza Navona, one of the largest and most beautiful squares in the city, where everyone, including the king himself, would be attending the ceremonies in honor of the magnificent ancient statue, the Capitoline Venus. Some orator or other was droning on and on about the glories of ancient Rome. And then suddenly there was an interruption. No!
2: No! Is it true? Uh, listen to me, ladies and
0: gentlemen, listen to me. I, Frank Wolcott, am the sculptor. I created this magnificent statue. It's mine. It's mine. Oh, Frank! Uh, I see what you mean, madam. You need say me. nothing more. Oh, it's, it's my statue. Now, let me tell you what happened and how
2: it happened.
0: But he didn't have a chance. The police dragged him away. His wife fainted and could only be fully revived after some refreshment at a nearby restaurante. Uh, Are you feeling better, Mrs. Walcott?
1: Oh, I'll never feel better as long as... Poor Frank. I I only eat to keep body and soul
0: together. Mrs. Walcott... Why should your husband, a very wealthy and successful American businessman, claim to have sculpted this statue? I
1: I don't know what's
0: happened to Frank.
1: He was always so cheerful.
0: Well, once a fellow gets an idea stuck in his brain, the first thing you should do is quit fighting him. Go along with him. But how? Try agreeing with him.
1: Agreeing with him? But that's crazy.
0: Hmm. You never heard of fighting fire with fire? Yes,
1: but I don't see how.
0: Neither did I at the moment. But I trusted to the luck of the Missouri-born Connecticut Yankee to see me through. The first thing I did was to go to the police station where I arranged to have Frank paroled into my custody. This is very good of you, Mr. Twain. Oh, don't mention it. I I expect to be paid. I'm a wealthy man. If you can somehow help me prove to the world that I am the sculptor of the so-called Capitoline Venus, then I... The so-called? Believe me, Mr. Twain. It's my statue. Uh, Considering the situation from every angle, you could be telling the truth. I... I what? Mr. Twain, do do, do you realize what you just said? I think I do. Well, you're the first person who ever said anything like that. The first one who looks at me like a fellow human being and who allows there might be something to what I'm saying. You feel you are the sculptor? I don't just feel it. I know it. All right, all right. Well, why can't it be true? Well, then, you you, you do believe me. Well, let, let me tell you how it could be true, Frank. Do you believe in reincarnation? Well, what would that have to do with it? Well, do you? Well, maybe you did sculpt the Venus, but in a past life. No, no, that that isn't true. I sculpted her in this life. Look, I'm trying to suggest a practical way out of this difficulty. And I can prove it prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yes? Well, how? Well, let's get Mary, my wife, and go down to the Piazza Navona and have a good look at that statue. Now, Mr. Twain, look at the statue. Look at what everyone claims is the Capitoline Venus, which is supposed to have been sculpted by some unknown but extremely gifted sculptor in the third century before Christ. Look at Yes? Now, gaze upon my wife, Mary Miller Wolcott. You're looking at her? Uh, Yes. In ten years, Mary Miller Wolcott has become... mm, wider, rounder, heavier, but look closely. Isn't that the same face, the same form... See how every strand of hair, every... Well, uh, uh, look at how my wife holds her fingers. And and now, the Venus. Look. Are you looking closely, Mr. Twain? Uh, Well, yes. The shape of the eyes. The lips and, and... And the nose. Now, now, Mr. Twain, look at both of them. Now, I'll accept your judgment. Go ahead and tell me that the Capitoline Venus isn't the exact image of my wife. Well, they do look alike. They are one and the same, and you know it. Ah, yes. Yes, there's no doubt in my mind. They are.
1: Mr. Twain, is it wise to humor him like that?
0: Now, sir... How do you account for it?
2: or How do I account for it? Uh,
0: give me a minute and I'll think of something. And we will. And how do you account for it? Why should an ancient Roman statue be the exact image of a woman who was born more than 2,000 years later? Chance? Maybe. But then again, what is Chance? According to a great Frenchman, chance is perhaps the pseudonym of God when he doesn't want to sign his real name. Or are we becoming a bit too serious? Stand by for Act Two. very marked difference between the average civilized man and the average savage is that one is gilded and the other is painted, at least in the opinion of Mr. Mark Twain. But of course, his major effort was always to strip away the gilding, the painting, the camouflaging, and the disguising that seemed to be man's basic activity, no matter what his condition of life. Well, Mr. Twain... Suppose you try to account for the fact that my wife, Mary Miller Wolcott, is the exact image of this statue of Venus. Well, I've already told you. You are the reincarnation of the ancient Roman sculptor who created no, 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 no. it. I reject that premise. Why? Because I know I'm not the reincarnation of any old Roman sculptor. But,
1: Frank, darling, it does sound logical. It
0: is ridiculous. I reject the entire concept of reincarnation. Well, oh, that's rather a sweeping statement. He hasn't been
1: himself lately, Mr. Twain.
0: Oh, I can understand why I should be having trouble with the rest of the world, Mary, but you... Surely you know better. Surely you must be able to recognize the statue. You were there during its creation. You were my model. Is this true, Mrs. Walcott? Well, I was the model for a statue that Frank sculpted. Was it this one? Oh, I don't know. She's afraid, Mr. Twain. She doesn't want everybody to think she's crazy, too. Frank! Frank! Even if she were to say publicly, yes, my husband made that statue ten years ago, and I was the model, it wouldn't help. The important thing about a work of art is not whether the artist received recognition or reward, but the fact that it exists. As this statue here exists, to enchant the imagination of men and women, to uplift their spirits... Really, Mr. Twain? Really? Look here, Frank. If you did actually create this statue, how, how did it get... Yes. How is a long story.
1: Uh, Frank, I do believe it's time for dinner.
0: That's where the story unfolded. And I shall tell it to you exactly as it was told to me as we sat in the Café of the Three Devils that evening on the Piazza Navona in Rome. Ten years ago, I was a penniless art student in Rome. I'd come here to study sculpture, to create statues. I met an American girl who was here to study painting, Mary Miller the moment I saw her beautiful face, I knew I, I had to capture it in marble. And I did. We fell in love as only young people can fall in love in Rome. Madly. Hopelessly. Completely. But there was a complication. As a writer, you should know all about it her father.
1: Oh, Frank, darling, I, I do love you.
0: I know, but your father, why why is he so so obdurate? Oh,
1: he means well, but art is
0: folly as far as he's concerned. Well, Then why did he let you come here to study painting?
1: Oh, he thinks art is all very well as a pastime for women before they get married, but men should be concerned with more important things. Such as? making money. It isn't exactly hopeless. Father says we can be married as soon as
0: you're able to
1: acquire $50,000.
0: $50,000? I can't even pay this month's rent. Well, Mr. Twain, I tried. I tried to sell my statues, but it was no use. No dealer would even look at them Fifty thousand dollars? I didn't even have fifty cents. Finally, I decided to ask Mr. Miller up to my studio, where I would have one last try to convince him. What am I asking? All I'm asking is that you'll be able to support my daughter in at least an approximation of the style to which she's grown accustomed. But, sir, I have nothing against you, young man. But I cannot allow my daughter to marry a hash of love, art, and starvation. I believe you have nothing else to offer. You mentioned the figure 50,000, Mr. Miller. Yes. Because that would mark you as a man of substance and responsibility.
2: Oh. here.
0: Here, look. My masterpiece, this beautiful statue. Uh-huh. What about it? Well, surely it's worth at least 50,000. Tell you the truth, looks just like any one of the millions of statues you see all over Italy. And if you ask me, none of them are worth a dime. How can you say that? I, I tell you, that statue will make me rich and famous. Uh-huh. took you six months to chisel it, and you can't even give it away. No, sir. You show me 50,000 United States dollars. And you can have my daughter. But, I... uh, don't waste time. You only have six months to raise the money. What was I going to do, Mr. Twain? And then... Then he came to visit me. Uh, he? Yes, Mr. Twain. The smartest, the kindest, the most wonderful man in the world. My brother... My older brother, George, I remember every time I had troubles, things were going badly, George would always sit down, light a cigar, take a puff, and say, Well, let's see how we can get you out of this particular scrape, Frankie. Oh, it's hopeless, George. Her father says $50,000. I know. What am I going to do? She's an angel. I know. I've seen her. But I'm going to lose her. Never. Never? Never. Do you mean you have $50,000? No, my dear boy. Well, then, do, don't you know what's going to happen? Her father will take her home to Cleveland. I'll never see her again. You're going to see her every day of your life. Well, for the very first time in my life, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Why, she'll be with you, Frank. Just as she's with you tonight. What are you talking about? She isn't here. But she is. Look. Look at her. But... Well, that, that's only a statue. Only a statue? Is it possible you don't know what you've created? Well, I I know it's good. Good? It's great, Frank. Great. This statue is Mary Miller. Her spirit pervades every molecule of its body. Do you know what you've done? You have created a work of art. You have taken a chunk of marble and given it the breath of life. George, I hate it now. What are you saying, Frank? Because it will always be there to remind me of Mary. How lucky you are. How fortunate. Do you know what you're saying? Of course. Look at her. The beautiful Mary you fell in love with. She will be this way forever. She won't grow old, ungainly. She won't become sick, disfigured. She will never be ravaged by the passage of time or the insults of life. You will always be the lovely girl you knew and loved when both of you were young in Italy. But what you're saying is not enough. It isn't? No! Well, how could you ask for more? I don't want cold marble. I want warm flesh. But I I, I can't have her. Why? George, you weren't listening to a single word. I can't have her because I don't have $50,000. And neither do you. So... Why don't we both go out and get drunk? Frank, if you really want Mary Miller, you can have her. If I really want well, what have we been talking about? But you have to make a choice. A choice? Of what? You can have the statue or you can have Mary. But you cannot have both. Why? Because that's the way it has to be. Well, I'm not sure I choose, Frankie. The girl or the statue? Well, what do you mean I can't have the statue? You will have to give it up. To whom? To time. To eternity. Uh, I don't understand. It doesn't matter. Choose between them, Frank. The girl or the statue. You can't ask me to give up my... My masterpiece. Oh, then you've decided. No. No. No, I, I want Mary. I, I, I must have Mary. Think about it, Frank. I, I have. Right now, there's nothing to choose between them. Each is at the very full ripeness of her beauty. Yeah, I know that. But the statue will remain like this forever. Mary won't. I'm an artist, George, but I'm also a man. She'll get fat on Uh, you. Don't say that. You don't believe me? Look at her mother. Mary is an angel. She doesn't have a fault in the world. She likes to eat, Frank. Oh, does she ever enjoy packing it away? Her father's in the grocery business. There was always a lot of food in the house. George, what is the point of all this chatter? Did I ever let you down, Frank? The answer is no. Do you want me to get the girl for you? I... If you can. No ifs, ands, or buts. You know the terms of the deal? You give up the statue, give it up forever. Do I have to? Yes, Frank. It's the only way.
2: Oh, I want her so much.
0: Is she worth it? Is she worth losing this... this magnificent masterpiece? Well... How can you do it? How will all this raise $50,000 for me? Oh, $50,000 is mere pocket change compared to how much money you have a year from now. But how? That must remain my business. Don't meddle. Don't ask questions. Now, do you want the girl? Really? Truly? Yes. I want her. I would advise against it. But I see your mind's made up. Well, here we go. Uh, where's the hammer? A, a hammer? What do you want with a hammer? Uh, I see it. Now to work. Yeah, well, what are you doing? Uh, uh, George, get away from the statue. Get, get, George! I'll kill you! Get away from that statue! <laughs> Mark Twain said, every man is a moon, in the sense that he has a dark side, which he never shows to anyone. It seems we are about to witness a side to George Walker's character, which younger brother Frank never dreamed existed. But is it the darker side, or the lighter side? This is a decision that we shall have to reserve for Act Three. of people from other countries as foreigners. But all men and women are basically foreigners to each other, even a man and wife. Each has reserves that the other cannot enter into or understand, and these have the effect of frontiers. And so the daily miracle of our social order is not that we know so little about each other, but that all things considered we know so much George, you've gone mad. Now, Frank, don't I know what I'm about, generally? Generally, yes, but this is insanity. You want Mary, don't you? But you can't destroy my statue. Didn't we just agree that I must be given complete freedom? Now, trust me. Leave the thing entirely in my hands. It has to be done with skill and finesse. What has to be done? Let me see. We'll take off the tip of her nose. George! And two fingers from the right hand. No, no, no George. No, no, I can't let you. No, Frank, we agreed. Didn't we agree? <laughs> yes, George, but... Okay, but, but, now part of the uh, right no, ear. No, no more, George. It's no more. to be done right. A couple of the toes. George! And so you actually allowed your brother to disfigure the statue? Well, yes, Mr. Twain, I I know how it must sound, but I was so much in love. All right, but uh, getting back to the facts, you've as much as admitted right here that the Capitoline Venus can't be your statue. Well, how have I admitted that? Well, didn't you just say that your statue was disfigured, or we could almost say dismembered by your brother? Yes, that's what happened. Well, look out there across the square. That statue of the Venus, it's in perfect shape. But you haven't heard the rest of the story. Oh. Very late that night, George came back to my studio with some men. They wrapped my poor, bruised and broken statue in canvas and took her away. They took away his battered nightmare, which had once been my... Masterpiece of beauty. Uh, I get the point. Yes, well, um... A few days later, I was still in a state of shock. Uh, My brother, George, came up to the studio. Frank, how are you? Here, I brought a bottle of wine. We have to celebrate. Celebrate? You have just become a landowner. Just think. You own a piece of this beautiful country. You don't believe it? Here's the deed. Well... Uh, uh, George, I, I still can't understand how I ever let you do a thing like that. Now, Frank, my we agreed. No questions. Here is a title to a piece of ground. Five acres in the campagna. It's just beyond the tombs of the ancient Scipio family. I bought it from the owner, who's a bankrupt relative of the Princess Borghese. And I bought it for you. George, uh, what does all this have to do and with my... as soon as I can get some money together, which should be in a couple of weeks... I'm going to start building you a house there. Well, there's still no way I can see to get my $50,000, and now I don't even have my statue. Sit tight, Frank. Just sit tight. And that's what I did, Mr. Twain. That's exactly what I did. The days went by, the weeks, the months. Nothing happened, and Mary and I saw each other every day. And every day our love grew stronger, more meaningful. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I like a only yes. She could never marry without her parents' consent. And then $50,000, the price of their approval, was still as far away as the moon. So, hand in hand, we strolled the ancient streets of Rome like... Two doomed lovers of legend? Are you enjoying your dinner, my dear?
1: uh, Frank, darling, I simply must have another order of the beef. Could you just call the waiter?
0: Uh, Yes, dear. Um, A waiter, uh, encore for the Signora. Well, the six months were almost up. Uh, I'd given up all hope. I was resigned to my fate. And then... One morning my brother came rushing in. Out of bed, my boy. Hop to it. Let's get dressed. Oh, please, George. Uh, let me alone. And where would you be if I let you alone? Now wait a minute. Oh. Just what are you wearing, anyhow? You like it? I bought a suit like this for you, too. For, 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 right here in this package. What kind of last? This, my boy, is a morning suit. Morning? Who dies? No, 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 no. Not morning as in funeral, but morning as in dawn. I'd better light the stove. Heat some water. You've got to shave. Would you mind telling me what this is all about? You don't want to be late? Now, here's your pants. Coat. Shirt. Tie. Spring action, Frankie. Now, you can dress like a dude if you like, but I... That's what we are. Two of the best-dressed dudes in Italy. Well, just where are we going? While you are shaving and dressing, my boy, I shall read to you the lead story in this morning's paper. sensational discovery made in the Campania. Mr. George Walcott, an American, was building a house on a piece of property owned by his brother, Mr. Frank Walcott. Now, what kind of nonsense is this? And never ask a question while you're holding a razor. Mm. To continue, while making the excavations, workmen came upon what can only be considered as the most remarkable piece of ancient sculpture. In accordance with the law, a veil of secrecy was immediately imposed... as the government took military possession of the statue. You mean it was found on my property? Didn't Papa always say you were born under a lucky star? What else does it say? The government appointed a distinguished committee of art critics, antiquarians... and cardinal princes of the church... To assess the value and determine the remuneration due to the owner of the property. That's me. I'm the owner of the property. (laughs) Of course, the weight and wear of centuries had taken their toll. Several parts of the statue had been damaged or destroyed. But still, it was a work of ravishing beauty. The distinguished committee had finally decided it was obviously a figure of Venus that had once stood in the Capitol. D- did they... Uh, were they able to find out who sculpted it? It says here, it must be the work of some unknown but sublimely gifted artist of the second century before the Christian era. Oh, what luck! No, no, no it isn't luck. It's Providence. <laughs> Nicholas Alfeltra considered the greatest sculptor of our day... Well, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. ...was commissioned to restore the work. And he said, the mere fact that I have been permitted to repair this masterpiece will make my name illustrious while the world still stands. Yes, yes, I know how he feels. Uh, now, uh, proceeding from the sublime to the important, mm. the committee decided that the statue was worth ten million francs. Ten million... <clears throat> to continue. In accordance with Roman law and usage, the government is half owner of all artworks discovered in the Campania. Therefore, Mr. Frank Walcott shall receive the sum of five million francs at a ceremony this morning to be held at the. George, it's true? This isn't just a practical joke? Of course it's true. Come on. How can they hold a ceremony without a guest of honor? <laughs> Well, Mr. Twain, finally, don't ask me how, I got myself shaved and dressed and George got me into a cab. We drove to the Borghese Palace where a ceremony was being held on the lawn. The Princess Borghese herself made a pretty little speech.
1: Oh, it is now my pleasure to present this check to Mr. Franco Walcott in recognition of his his services to the art. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Take you for crying out loud! Huh? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh. Thank you, uh, thank you, Princess. Charming. Let us unveil the masterpiece of an unknown Roman sculptor. The Capitoline. <laughs>
2: George. I don't know. It's mine. No.
0: It's my an own ancient Roman. George. I can't let them do this to me. And give that the check. The check? I am Frank. I am Frank. This morning's rent of exchange: one million dollars.
2: One million dollars?
0: One million dollars and Mary against a hunk of rock. I, I'll take it. I, I can always make another statue. Now for
1: dessert. Oh, Frank, darling, let me look at that menu.
0: Yes, dear. But I never did. I never made another statue. You see, Mr. Twain, I never had any money before, and I was dazzled by it. And then I found I was very good at it. Good at money. You know what that means? Yes, I know. Mary's father said to me, Son, why not put that sculpturing of yours to some practical purpose if you can? And I did. At least I designed beautiful bathroom fixtures. You have to give me that. Oh, I do. But I was happy. Because in a real sense, I still had the statue. I had Mary. In my eyes, she hadn't changed. But this year, this year, we came to Italy again. They were moving the statue here to the Piazza Navona. I saw her. And I looked at Mary. And... Uh, <clears throat> yes, I, I see what you mean. I went to the Princess Borghese and I said, here's your money back. I want my statue. Your statue? Yes. You, you see, I made it. You made it?
1: Yes. Oh, I see. Yes, you made it. What a charming idea. I'll pay you more than you gave me. It doesn't matter. I'm rich. Oh, of course. uh, I'm so glad you understand, Princess. Uh, Of course. Uh, But you must first discuss this with a person who knows how to go about these things. I shall give you a card of introduction. Go to him at once. His name is Dr. Rinaldi. Mm
0: Now you know all of it, Mr. Twain. Mm, couldn't you get George to help substantiate your story? Oh, poor George. He told me it would be hopeless, but I persuaded him, and he came forward. Well, didn't it help? Uh, George is in padded cell two thirteen, right next to mine, and Doctor Rinaldi's. Oh. What am I going to do? Well, you made a bargain. You'll have to live with it. But it feels as if I made a bargain with the devil. We all make that bargain, one way or another. Look at them over there, Mr. Twain. See how they keep gathering around the statue, how they admire it. Well, they can't take that away from you, Frank. But they have. Don't you understand? They have. At least you know that you did it. That's something. Yes, but it's not enough. I've got to tell the whole world who made that statue.
1: Frank, where are you going? You haven't eaten a thing. Oh, Mr. Twain, whatever am I going to do with him? Uh, Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Listen.
0: I am the sculptor. I created this masterpiece, me.
2: Frank Wolcott, it's mine. Oh, no, Frank, not again. Don't you understand? It's mine. It wasn't made 2,000 years ago. And here come the police. Get your hands off
0: me. I've only telling the truth. Wait, well, here comes my wife, can't you see? This statue is the very image of her. Well, isn't it obvious? No, no, I I guess it isn't.
2: Not anymore. All right, officer, I'll go quietly.
0: If you should ever happen to visit the Piazza Navona in Roma, you will see a statue of a slim, slender Venus. And if you look very closely, perhaps you can see the restorations on the tip of the nose, the ear, the foot. But you can decide for yourself. And this is a great way for a writer to wind up a story since it saves him the trouble of figuring out the ending himself. But Mark Twain only did that when a story had no ending, as this one doesn't. Because it's an old, old story that's been told and retold over and over again. And what is the moral? Quite simply, since you can't have everything, you'd better settle for what you really want. But then again, how do we know what we really want? It doesn't get easier, does it? I'll be back shortly. Just as a great deal of Chopin's music consists of exercises to develop pianistic skills, much of Mark Twain's writings are exercises to determine morality. And today's story was a study of public opinion. If once you get the public to believe something, said Mr. Twain, you have created what is respectfully known as public opinion. It is held in reverence. It settles everything. Some people even think it's the voice of God. Our cast included Court Benson, Russell Horton, Bryna Rayburn, and Gordon Gould. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.